Hi, I'm Lauren Stiving, and welcome to this episode of the Career Success Podcast. Today, we've invited Francis de Buglar to discuss the founder's mentality, or how to act and feel as if the company you work for is your own. Francis is the regional president of Europe at Bacardi, where he's been working for over 20 years. With Francis, I'm going to try to figure out how one can stay away from complacency and adopt the founder's mentality in any size company. Welcome, Francis. Uh, Hi. Hi, Lauren. Francis on the other line here, live from Brussels. (laughs) Thank you. I am live from Barcelona. So yes, today we've invited you here to discuss a topic which you're passionate about and uh, I can't wait to learn about a bit more, which is the founder's mentality. Can you start off just by explaining a bit about what the founder's mentality is? Yeah, well, let me maybe uh, tell you a small story before to to start off. You know, uh, my parents, they had the uh, store here in, in Belgium. And so I grew up in a store and selling there before starting my university studies. And, you know, when I was working in a company, honestly, my father, he was asking me often, you know, uh, he didn't understand why we did all these budgets and all the spending all these times and making latest estimate and all the and all the stuff. He said, you, we're an independent and your world where you come from doesn't seem to be the one which you're living in right now because multinationals work differently. So that's why I wanted to talk about uh, founder's mentality essentially. So if we go further on founder's mentality, for me, um, it's essentially acting a company or in a multinational like it was your own business and spent it like it was your own money. This for me, the essential part of that. And honestly, in a lot of multinationals, there's often a lot of I would call it uh, complacency and not a lot of founder's mentality because a lot of people hide behind what I'll call consistent growth, which means not necessarily optimizing, making sure that the pattern looks well. What is it? It's for me, act like it was your own business, like you were an independent and it was your own money, basically. Okay. So in large corporations, how I think the challenge will be some people are managing P&L, other people aren't managing P&L. How do you see that? How can you really act like a founder in large corporations in various different environments? Yeah, well, it's a very good question, and it's one uh, where at, the, at this moment within within Bacardi, equally, you know, we're a you know we're a family company, um, but equally, you know, I think we define something uh, really simple. If you want to be part of the company, basically, there are only two jobs, you know, and it's what my our CEO is using, what I'm using often, or you're in the front line, or you're helping the front line, and basically, these are the only two jobs that exist. If you're doing something else then probably, or it's not the right thing, or it's a a function that shouldn't exist probably. So it's about being in the front line or helping the front line. That's basically the principle of that, which is uh, quite challenging, I know, for for a lot of multinationals to make sure that they act on that. So uh, uh, it's not necessarily an easy exercise, but it helps you to streamline your organization and to make sure that we do the things within the company that should be done and essentially, more importantly, strip out what shouldn't be done anymore. Mm-hmm. And from the point of view of processes, I know this varies a lot company to company in terms of how many processes they have. Why do you think companies create so many unnecessary processes sometimes? It's a very good question. I think some are needed that when you're talking about, I'm not talking about having a system like SAP or things like that if you're bigger than multinational. 
it is certainly needed to make sure that you get things done. Or you can say, well, let's have conquer because we want to make sure that we know where people are. If ever there is a crisis and, you know, or there is an attack or something, we know to locate all the people. But but honestly, I'm more and more convinced that uh, a lot of these processes or so-called processes or best practices are simply made to justify jobs. I think often best practices are things that other companies do. And uh, even in our case, we often look at, I would call it the really, really big ones. We just copy the stuff sometimes. And then I think, you know, does it really adding value? You know, mm-hmm. what does it really change within the company? Does it differentiate us? Does it really give us a competitive advantage with, re- with regard to our competition? But I think a lot of processes are just added to make sure that maybe a bit confrontational. But often I think that a lot of processes are just made for people to be happy within their job and not taking risk because um, founder's mentality implies automatically about risk taking. Mm-hmm. And what about people in organizations or listeners here that may not want to be founders, or maybe they just want to follow processes, maybe not innovate, where do they sit in this equation? Hmm. Well, if um, you're not a founder, if you don't have the founder mentality, honestly, I can only recommend two things. First of all, get rid of them. And the second one is I prefer they work for my competition. Because you know, it's not about whether you're HR or finance or, or, or supply chain. And I live this about every day. It's about, you know, what do you do to make sure that we will do a better job, that we make sure that we add to top or bottom line. And, and if some people prefer to do that, honestly, I prefer them to go to another company. And I would challenge that even in every company, I think we would need that. Or I don't know, maybe go to a government if you want to say it like that, if you want to sit and, and, and just, uh, do some stuff and do some process, but it's about essentially adding value. So it's not necessarily all about the big, uh, about the big idea. It's about supply chain, for instance, listening to clients and know what clients want instead of us making sure that we hit the, the best percentage rate of forecasting. Probably I would not recruit them. And what about people are looking for companies that have more of a founder's mentality? Um, yeah. Are there any companies that you would recommend? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, Bacardi, but that's normal eh, because I work there. But uh, I think um, my advice to people that look for that job, it depends a bit. And, and often, I think in the interviews you're having, I often ask them, what do you want to do with your life and with your professional career? Do you like to do things? Because a lot of people say, I want the freedom. Eh? But often when you when you recruit people, often they prefer the framework and they let everything, and they prefer everything to be organized. And that's okay. You know, I don't say that it's not possible to have any founder mentality within a certain framework in a company, especially if you get bigger. But honestly, I think it's probably easier when you're in a smaller company. Uh, mm-hmm. That's for sure. I'm definitely convinced we're about 6,000 people at Bacardi. And even there, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if, if you're not afraid, if you're authentic, and if really you look externally, I'm, I'm definitely sure within any company you can make that difference. So um, if you really like to be kind of an entrepreneur uh, within a certain company, I would probably recommend to go in a, a bit smaller or a mid-sized company. That will probably be easier. There will be less hurdles, but still then. And how do you get your team to feel like founders? And also, how do you think this founder's mentality has helped your career? Well, let me first talk about the team then. When you talk about a team, I think the, the first thing which I have in my team, there's some smaller things, some bigger. The first one lets people be authentic and express their opinion, you know, and genuinely express their opinion about what they think. That's why you recruit good people for. So that's the one. And the second one, uh, I'm a big fan of, um, of having shorter meetings making sure that there are pre-reads ongoing, 
action action points meetings, which is less about presenting all these very long PowerPoints. Just just to give an example, within the whole of Europe, the maximum of uh, slides you can prepare is 15, and the maximum you can present is six. Believe it or not, it cut out a lot of administrative work of a lot of people, assistance everywhere of making these huge PowerPoints. So the more you get it action-oriented, the more you create, I think, winners, motivated people. And then, of course, the big challenge is always to cascade this, this feeling about people being fearless and, and, and daring to say what they think and just adapting it. Then the last question about my own career, what, what did it help me? In all honesty, I think at the beginning of my career, I think it risked me to being fired a few times. In the end, it's what I got, you know, when, uh, but I think at the beginning, um, when you express your opinion, you say what you think and you just say, look, I would not do that because of my money. And some people think, you know, it's just the process of spending that money, be it. There's so many examples. Yes, there's a risk. More than 20 years of Bacardi could have been fired in the first three years. Uh, absolutely. And probably more than once. Okay. But I think in the end, it pays off. For me, it's about leaving a legacy and making sure that everybody gets respected for what he does. The more we make business case, the more good, the really, really, really good stuff at that moment. I think whatever you go afterwards in any company, I think when you leave your legacy, this really expresses, I think, your passion and, and the fun you're having in your job. Mm -hmm. I have a question about the team point. A lot of companies, or some companies, I should say, are doing away with PowerPoints altogether. Do you think that they're necessary today? Well, look, there are three possibilities, or you don't do anything, there's no presentation or anything. Uh, the one one is a PowerPoint, and now we're getting back because uh, there is some uh, really, really big companies who get back to words. Honestly, for me, it doesn't function too well, the, the word document. You know, we ask, basically, everybody's making a PowerPoint, and then they translate it in a, in a word document, which mm -hmm. should not be an objective. But I, I like to have uh, the base as, as a start, which means six slides where we discuss on which yeah. basically takes you 10 minutes to present them. And afterwards, you know, we just have a discussion. We talk and we decide afterwards. So, mm -hmm. yes, I, I like to have a, a, small, a smaller one, but that's, that's something like my personal way of working, the personal way of working with my team. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Francis, thank you so much for joining us today on the Career Success Podcast. Thank you very much.